0: Welcome to the truth in this art. I am your host Rob Lee and once again we're back in Philadelphia, the City of Brotherly Love for a um, interview, conversation. And today my guest is a Puerto Rico born Philadelphia-based cultural producer, strategic thinker and community development practitioner whose work is centered on cross-sector partnership and arts and culture as a tool for social change and community self-actualization. She is also the co-founder and creative partner of Afro Taino, and the director of the Philadelphia Latino Film Festival. Please welcome Maggie Maya rebel so, so thank you for, for joining the podcast. And um, before we get too deep, could you share your story? Where does your story begin? And um, what was your first art experience?
1: Wow, my first art experience was definitely music. Music and film. I recall being a very young child and listening to heaven is missing an angel, <laughs> or, you know, love to love you, baby. I remember being, <laughs> being told by my grandmother that was not a good song to sing. And I was like, Mommy, but it's talking about love. And she's like, no, no, not the kind of love that you need to talk about your age. <laughs> so I recall that, and both, um, you know, my mother, all my family loved to film. And my parents were divorced. Um since I was three and then remarried, as a conversation for a different day. But long story short, I had my Saturdays with my dad, and they always began with going into a matinee at 11 a.m. in the morning. So I got to see all kinds of things. I remember negotiating with him that I needed to watch Saturday Night Fever, and he was like, that's an R-rated film. And I'm like, no, Papa, but it's about dancing. You know, just come with me. And him getting very uncomfortable in the scene in the uh, strip club and taking his glasses off. Like, I'm not looking at the woman who's naked. But, yeah, I will say those are definitely the ones that can take you... Again, Donna Summer will come, and it's like I'm four or five years old again, yeah. sitting in my mom's car and mm-hmm. and enjoying her company. So I value and really appreciate music for that.
0: So yeah. music, movies, mm-hmm. uh, starting out, and, and where did you grow up? Where where's where's the story begin, if you will?
1: I grew up in Bayamón, Puerto Rico. Bayamón, Puerto Rico, El Pueblo del Chicharrón. Um. That's, yes, it's a it's a town known for many things. There's a song that says that in Bayamon it rings every day. Bayamon is known for its traffic jams. Um, people are ta- um are known for being strong-willed. <laughs>
0: There's a lot of Taurus energy floating around.
1: (laughs) Uh mm -hmm. But it's about 20 minutes uh, from San Juan, so I grew up in that area, went to school, um, and going to all San Juan was our coming-of-age experience. Every weekend we will hang out. Um, You know, you're talking, I was born in 68, you're talking about I'm class of 86 in high school. So... Having a good time and hanging out, no carding, people, yes, all day, yes. I'm not even going to get into it, but yes, to all of it. (laughs) You know, we were coming right after, think about it, it's about, you know, we're coming, our parents, some of them got to experience the, you know, the early 70s and all that experimentation, disco, and then here we come as a generation, so... Saturday Night Fever is the first film that I recall that I don't see that I'm myself as a kid, kid, even though I was a kid.
2: Yeah. Huh.
1: Like when Menudo came out, I was like, they're too cute for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I the Martin Martin. No,
1: no, 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 no. They're kids. They're kids like me. I'm not interested in that.
0: <laughs> I'm into adult stuff.
1: Exactly. I was, you know, checking my sister is... A little bit over eight years older than me, my mother, magazines, looking at uh, Studio 54, looking at Andy Warhol and Bianca Jagger, having a great time. That's what I was interested in. I'm like, well, I want to grow up and hang out and do that and go to parties and all of that and learn about art and learn about fashion. And, you know, so from a very early age... And my mother liked to host a lot, Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of friends. So I understood from a very, very early age, not so much in the domestic sense, even though there's an element of that, the importance of creating a space for folks to feel comfortable, to relax, to hang out, to experience each other, Mm -hmm. and how those were tokens of love, tokens of gratitude. right? So, opening the doors of your house, and of course, that was combined with the fear, you're talking to somebody who navigates OCD on a regular, and has tried to use it as an asset, but understanding that my grandma was like, you don't know who's coming through that door, if it's going to be you, you have to leave your house impeccable, in case that somebody else has to come, so anyway, so you balance the two (laughs) Yeah, I I,
0: I used to like when I listen to, you know, people who were around doing things be before I like like I'm I was born in eighty five, right? So mm-hmm. I would hear things from my parents of like, Yeah, we used to do this, we used to have a fish fry on Friday nights and all of these different things. And now I'm not around that stuff. Like when I'm in my own space and having a pretty nice size place. I'm not hanging out with my, you know, any of the art friends I've gotten, you know, during, during the series, mm-hmm. I'm just kind of, all right, mad scientist style. What's the next question I'm writing? What are the movies <laughs> that I'm watching? And, you know, parts of that I like, and, you know, as a person that is always on this sort of like navigating anxiety, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like huh, what are we doing? How long are we going to be there? Having that timer that goes off. exactly. And I will say, and, and, and this is going to go into a second question, I think, because I think I have a sense of it, but. One of the highlights, right, that I've had over the last like few weeks was Mm -hmm. I had a day to myself, right? I'm not working on a podcast. I'm not going to work. I'm not hanging out with anyone that I watched five movies. And I was like, this that's was a, a great day.
1: Yeah, that's not a bad day. <laughs> like, this was a
0: great day. And um, in, in the diverse mix, some like movies that I knew were schlock, like this is bad. This is bid, mm-hmm. but I'm going to finish it. And then doing, in some sense, um, I had one movie homework assignment. Mm-hmm. I watched Deliverance for the first time and I was like, this is mm-hmm. a bit much. I was like, I need a palate cleanser for this. we the I cartoons.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Watch
0: cartoons right after it. So, in hearing about some of the you know some of the music earlier and some of the the movies Mm -hmm. earlier what would you say was something that kind of helped shape your creative sensibility?
1: Well, bueno, I, I'm glad that that's the second question. Cause what I was going to, as I'm thinking of what I share with you, is like, I need to say that there was Donna Summer pepper with a gran combo pepper with other stuff with rock, right? Yeah. Boston, Chicago. So oh, it's all this thing. One of the things that was really interesting for me, adapting to living in Philly yeah. was that I grew up in a place that we listened to kinds of music Mm -hmm. and that everything was on rotation in the same station Mm -hmm. you go from sugar hill gang to like a merengue song and it's like what but for us that was absolutely the way it was right um other experiences i will say definitely tv i will call you know me and my friends will say we're televidiotas (laughs) right i come from that i was what 12 when mtv yeah kicked off and or launch um, music videos definitely were part of that experience the premiere of the pad penetrator <laughs> love is a battlefield
0: it's a strong tune that's a strong tune <laughs> yeah, right there fabulous tune but <laughs> yeah.
1: it became a happening right then you had your girlfriends or people that you went to school either you're talking on the phone Do you watch that damn that's so fly to you know hanging out and going i don't know at that point we were going to like high school parties or something like that and you will come home and then just like you wanted to watch MTV all the time, um, a lot of the hanging out. And then when you were in all San Juan, you have the combination of all these different influences. And then you have the folkloric sounds, the bomba, the plena, the rumbas that are being set up in the street. And you're just embracing everything. And it's just part of who you are. Yeah. There was no questioning of identity at that point, yeah, yeah. which was the other interesting part when I come here. Right? Yeah. And I understand that Puerto Rico, to some extent, was a blended community. Not as much as here, but you have families that were from different countries that live in the island. Yeah. But the majority of people were Puerto Rican. Yeah. So my identity was not questioned. Yeah. And when I got here, as soon as I opened my mouth, like, where are you from?
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah.
1: And you're Puerto Rican, but you don't sound like the other Puerto Ricans. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Um, You know, telenovelas yeah. are a great, a big part of the culture, right? Yeah. And there's the novela where you know there's a shh. Don't say a word. <laughs> right? But that they're short-lived. You're talking to somebody who started watching The Young and the Restless when I was 15, summer of, yeah, summer of 83. Yeah. And I still watch. <laughs> I still watch on DVR. And my mom will be like, is that soap still going on? <laughs> Why is it so long? And mama, it's a different it's a different ballgame. It's just a different show. And she got used to, like, what in Puerto Rico are telenovelas? Here will be like a mini series, like yeah. a few months. A Netflix series. I,
0: I think, I think, and I like one of the things that you touched on. It brought back a memory, uh, mm-hmm. and I and I think it's kind of, kind of, kind of blows that it's not happening to that degree anymore. But the premiere of a video mm-hmm. where I remember, I think it was maybe ninety nine, maybe two thousand, coming from high school. And you, you know, guys, we're. We're terrible, but coming from high school and uh, leave, leaving class and talking with my friends about like the thong song, like you know oh, Cisco Ruppet Ruppet and and just like man, you should see that at the premiere, man. I gotta watch it tonight. Now let's talk about the box. Yeah, oh <laughs> my God, I love. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Don't <laughs> get me started. You know, I was I was like looking for this K Seven and tie Bless song all the time. Uh, like I, there's oh, there's a, there's a pocket. <laughs> don't <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. feel
1: bad. I was looking at the dancers too. I was like, <laughs> like forget K Seven. He must be like five four. K- lindo.
0: <laughs> there, there's a pocket of me. Like I have a year where I think when I was working in this uh, Spanish speaking call center mm-hmm. that all of us listening to was freestyle music. Mm-hmm. So it's just Miami bass. And I had, I had a curl ball and it was, it was a very interesting time. All I hung out with is Puerto Ricans and Dominicans. That's what I was hanging out with. And it's just like, yeah, tiny, you're here. It's like, Let's do it.
1: There you go. And we can do and that blend of sounds, right? That even navigating here, you know, enjoying hip-hop and other sounds, R&B, house music, this, that. But there was also that space that we can listen to both.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And And I think, like, this sort of, and I think you touched on it. I know you touched on it, where it's just like, you don't fit this this is what we're accustomed to. And it's like, Oh, um, this is who I am. This is, this is who I am as a, as an individual. And there is space for me. Like often people can't really pick out where are you from? I like from Baltimore,
2: mm-hmm. you don't
0: sound like it though.
2: Huh. Oh my God.
0: Or you don't have whatever the shortcuts are to mm-hmm. put you in this sort of box. And then it brings in a sort of question of like authenticity or whatever. And it's just like, my experience is mine.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you asked me earlier, you know, where does the story begin and what are, like, the critical things like VR experiences? You know, I also have to put it in the context of who my mother was. Sure. Right? My mother was the strongest figure. For me, growing up, mad respect to my dad and everybody else, you know, they all play a role. But my mother was that person that was like a a hurricane. Mm -hmm. She will walk into a room and she will grab everybody's attention. And she was very strong-willed, very clear. She definitely didn't give a flying fuck about what anybody thought. She was leaving her truth, yeah, yeah, and and embracing it in a way that was very loving and very fun. But at the same time, don't question her.
0: People people tend to be intimidated by that personality type, right? And it, it's funny because I'll encounter folks that's like, well, oh, yeah, this person is kind of this way, and those folks generally like me. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, oh no, no, you, 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 this, you go about it this way. Actually, I would go a little harder about that. But it's like you're honest about it. You, you were very direct about it, and actually, you, you could have been a little more of a dick about it if you wanted to.
1: No, claro. But <clears throat> it light sees light, yeah. and uh, mama. You know, my parents divorced when I was three, and my mother divorced my dad because she came out of the closet. It didn't have anything to do with love. They loved each other, and I got to hang out with them. My mother with her partner. My father remained single. They remarried twenty six years later. Again, conversation for a different day. But you know, at the end, at the core, what they taught me is actually I could do say I can say this. What they taught me is what we see. Love is love, right? So they found their way back to each other. They were family. But that never stopped. Right. Because of the way that my mother wanted to lead her life. That had nothing to do with her not loving him. Sure. It had to do with her living her truth. Yeah right and the fact that it's not about being in your face it's just about being comfortable yeah. and she ever since I was a little girl she will say Nana you gotta go to bed when you go to bed you gotta sleep like a baby yeah. so you always speak your truth you always keep it clean you always treat people with the, with the respect that you will want them to treat you <laughs> Absolutely. so it doesn't mean that you're gonna be contentious or difficult or this it's just this is it. As we will say in Spanish, esto que hay.
2: This
1: is the deal.
0: <laughs> so, let's let's talk about um, Afro Taino and the uh, Philadelphia Latino Film Festival. Let's talk a little bit about that. Tell us about it. What is um like what what does your work within those two like organizations like entail, you know, like in this sort of uh, like director, leadership, cultural organizer roles. Tell us about that.
1: Thank you. So Afrotaino, I'm one of the co founders. And you know, I have the you know, Rasan Lucas, who's my partner in crime in Afrotaino and co founder of Afrotaino, and I met in the early nineties at a place that a lot of people would be like what? Revival that used to be an after hours club and we met and he had been to Puerto Rico we connected there you know how you see people around the scene and you're like hey what's up what's up and at some point we reconnected in, in the early 2000s 2004 Rasan had a background as of, as an actor you know theater percussion African drumming and a DJ mm-hmm. and we began talking about the experiences that he had at that point he was was spending full time for the most part and we kept on talking about what people expected right the mo- music that was moving us music that was resonating with us music that we were interested in
2: yeah.
1: right and having those conversations and getting to them and then you go to the club and they want to play Madonna or they're asking you to this hey real talk the worst no disrespect to anybody who loves this <laughs> song but my My request of all time was somebody coming to me and, can he play the percolator? No, baby. This is not that kind of party. Oh, no. There's no percolator here. You can play that when you get in the car home, right? (laughs) But anyway, so the idea was to really expand the musical palette and just really, again, Rasan was embracing his, his work as a DJ, through the same lens, mm-hmm. it's a what we had in common was the understanding of an experience okay. of what we were getting into. Mm-hmm. What's the party that that's going to bump that we want to be at? Right,
2: right, yeah.
1: Right? And began that conversation. It was like, oh, this, that, no disrespect to anybody on their musical preferences. But he was like, yeah, but this is different. What I'm creating is a space. It's not what you listen to. Sorry, I know we're past that. What you listen to in your iPod, bottom pump, <laughs> blast from the past. What you listen to when you are working or at the gym, yeah. right? Come for something else. And, and he was doing just phenomenal stuff, like mixing merengue yes. with Indian bangra, with, you know, with soca, with this, with hip-hop, with house. And it became this thing that we kept on talking about, just this gap. And at some point we were like, our intention was not to go into nightlife.
2: Yeah.
1: It was just to begin exploring what spaces we could create and sure. what experiences we could pro- co-produce, right. right, and curate. But it began, he was doing a residency, and it became this thing that that was the place, right? And I was there on weekends, and then you would come in, and, hey, Rob, let me introduce you to the bartender and meet the bouncer. And my girlfriend would come in, yeah, and this guy's looking at you. No, she doesn't want to dance with you. Leave her alone. So I became, ended up becoming the default hostess, Right. Right. And then people were like waving flags and and doing all kinds of stuff and we were having a great time. That's how we began. Mm-hmm. And we continue to expand that to then doing uh, record release parties or listening parties for new records yes. or new releases from artists that we were into and we will do the hour before the Saturday night so people could come so we and always infusing. Yeah. different sounds into the set and people will be like who's that that you play and who's that that you play and I will say this uh, because I got to witness it in a space where a lot of BJ's are like Serato this that Rasan was mixing with a headphone CDs and vinyl just by ear wow and I remember a group of DJs that will come in because he used to also spend a lot of dance hall and he got really, he was bumping in there, <laughs> came one night to the booth after that and they started looking and they were like, Pérate, hold on. <laughs> oh, how were you? Did you, huh?
2: Like, where's and, the thing? <laughs> uh
1: huh. And he was like, no, there ain't no thing. I'm not bringing my laptop here. That stays at home. And they were like, what? I
0: remember being on a cruise once, uh, to the Bahamas and this is where a phrase I came up with. And it's like, Oh, there's DJ ipad right there.
1: No. He <laughs> he, he cannot be that person. He's too much of a purist to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean and obviously as you go you you know, supplement and it but definitely a vinyl head at the at the core and and Definitely reading the crowd and having a good understanding. What was really interesting about the two of us coming together under this umbrella was the fact that The bulk, he had all that nightlife experience, Mm -hmm. right? And in my case, I have worked for a long time, for a long time, in nonprofits, infusing arts and culture, right? I don't know, I'm doing workforce development, and we're going to do this uh, capacity building workshops, Mm -hmm. and people are going to do writing. Let's bring a poet, or we're gonna do this. Uh, let's do hip hop, or we're gonna do direct, Let's do role plays, yeah. right? Because I had done some community theater uh, in the early '90s. So just bringing all of yourself That's into strategic the space there. And, and bringing yourself into the space, and also trying to make it very practical, especially in an ESL space. Mm-hmm. Because I have learned the language as a course subject in Puerto Rico, but the reason I moved here, I initially came here for six weeks to practice, to see how bilingual I could be in a space that immerse myself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So bringing those two experiences, Rasan also brought the, the he, there's a lot of new ones, right? You gotta tip your bartender. You gotta float. There are three. I remember when we were talking about this the early, the people that come early to the club and head home by 11. Mm -hmm. The ones that show up at midnight. The ones that come for the last call. How do you, you know, it's bumping, bumping, bumping. The bar's a little (laughs) slow. You gotta like, Know what you're doing, so they go back and they come back. So bringing all of that is that insight from being in different spaces, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Starting really young in that culture and understanding and knowing the players. And in my case, then I had the community base, the grassroots stuff. Yeah. and just combining those two perspectives to really then look at things in a way of how is it that these two worlds meet and yeah. how is it that they're not confined to either or yeah. and how audiences, a lot of times, just like we began, bringing it back to the basics of our fir- uh, one of our first conversations, where is it that all these people are in the middle? Mm-hmm. Where's that gap? Yeah. And from there... Begin, um, you know, curating and programming and co-programming and co-presenting and just let's just do it in different spaces, in galleries, in different, you know. from street festivals to let's just do something that it's, you know, a gala for a nonprofit or something that is related to a cause that is dear to our heart, right, a a PSA when in Arizona people were losing their mind and, you know, do I look illegal? We got to do that with a filmmaker who's a colleague. Dear friend, shout out to Eunice Levi, um, who was just like, and, and just being, I think the I think no I know that the love for the work, the love for the the understanding or the impact, the transformational impact that music, film, arts, and culture has had in our lives. The fact in both cases, it's a it's a highway to our mothers. Yes. It's a highway to our mothers. He will laugh. If at any point we're somewhere hanging out and, and chilling, he'll be like, what do you want to listen to? And he looks at me. He knows what I'm going to say. I'm going to say disco. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's going to say disco. And we're both laughing. Thinking back, it's that connection mm-hmm. that, in a way, it's like a lot of times, you know, it's, it's good to be clear about the fact that we do this. We're healing each other. Yeah. And we're, we're, you know, doing this to share, but also for ourselves. It's it's food for our souls. And that's how we see the spaces that Afro Taíno has created and creating spaces for emerging voices and introducing them to audiences. That has been, you know, uh, something that has brought a lot of pride. And we Mm. have been doing it now for 17 years. Amazing, amazing! We have been blessed to do the the really do it yourself stuff that we want to try, and do the bigger, you know, the big venues with the big bands, and both of them bring a lot of joy, right? And that's, that's there's not an either or; it's both.
0: That that captivates me in in that you know I look at doing this as sort of my entry point to satisfy curiosity mm-hmm. and it's so many more things that I want to do and I don't want to be like, this is purely the only thing that I do. It's like, you know, I know how things are supposed to be. And even in, in doing this, you know, like I'm not a toot my own horn sort of person or what have you. It's not really a a thing that I do and I'm comfortable with because I think if I'm not, if I'm not deeming myself that, Mm -hmm. then I don't think I should call myself that. Like some people will say, Oh, you know, you're a curator. It's like, not. I, I'm just very selective of who I want to work with and that's but there, there is that sort of overlap and that sort of correlation there so there is like some sort of eye there and who I'm looking to talk to and just kind of how you know some of the people I mentioned to you earlier you're like oh you're this person yeah, like so, I'm doing that sort of like research and there's thought that goes into it. But really, some of the stuff that you had mentioned about being able to do some of the programming and sort of connecting these different dots. I don't, I'm in this spot where it's like uh, venues are coming and and things like that are opening up. So I'm like, this is the why. I'm in that spot uh, now. But,
1: but you touch on doing, something that is really critical is being curious, mm-hmm. right? And remaining curious. And for us, that's the joy. Yeah. Right. Uh, whoa, oh shit. Do you hear this? <laughs> have you checked this artist? Like their are bands that we have thought about, that we have looked or listened, and it's like it's not a we're doing it, it's when.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. when. Yeah.
1: Right? Ife being a perfect example. We listen to Ife, um, their first single that we listened to was called it's called Tres Mujeres and we watched that video and we were like oh this is definitely happening we don't know how or when but this is freaking happening we're doing it and we were blessed to have the opportunity to present them Daimero Sena, who is a a Cuban jazz singer and a phenomenal uh, interdisciplinary artist same thing we heard that voice and we're like whoa (laughs) have you heard this girl oh my goodness and but at the same time the pushback in between.
2: Yeah.
1: I can I can mention two. One was Calle 13.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember going to Puerto Rico ironically around this time for Christmas. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So we're you <laughs> my apologies. No, you're <laughs> good, you're good, you're good. <laughs> but going to Puerto Rico and coming back with the Calle 13 C D mm-hmm. and it was my niece who introduced me to the song Chulin Cooling Fun Fly. And she's like Cooling Chulin Fly. And I was like,
2: this is, this track is banging.
1: <laughs> and I come back with the C D and Rasan is like, no nah, man that's not going to play in the club and I'm like yo I'm telling you and he's like I don't know I don't know I don't know I don't know and he and then we got to try and obviously the rest is history Calle 13 holds the record for the most wins in terms of Latin Grammys wow yeah absolutely and it was just bananas and then we got to see that thing just explode and they, they were everywhere right and we were blessed that was actually the first act that when once we organized ourselves as a Afro we got a call from Sony BMG at that point telling us, hey, we're bringing this act, and we want to do like a press run, and ta-da-da, we want you to work with us. Yeah. Um, so that was one example, and we were blessed. Actually, Calle 13 only did one show in Philadelphia hmm. in,
0: Just-
1: 2014, in 2014, yeah. and Afro was a proud co-presenter. But it took that long for us to, and we develop a relationship through the years with the band, with the management. We have presented, uh, I don't know how familiar you're with the band, but there's two, it's a total of three people, right? Residente. Mm
2: -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Residente, and then Visitante, who's the producer, and then there's PG-13, who's Ile, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: PG-13, because she was the youngest sister, right? But we have also presented Ile twice. And then, you know, work with management in other shows. But that was a, an interesting case of us. Like, nah, man, that's not going to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and obviously, you know. And then the other one was will say he's not a fan of, uh, you know, he respects or he sees what's happening. But he's not a bad Bunny fan. Right. I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like, let's just, let's, Hello, just <laughs>
1: let's put it And for me, it took time. Yeah. I didn't. I'm not. All the respect to everybody who likes crap music. Not really my team like that. I don't get like down like that. Uh, but, and he like, when we first met, Rasan was, you know, teasing me about Daddy Yankees gasoline. And I was like, that's not for me. That's not for me. And I remember buying the CD and feeling somewhat dirty about it, saying, what, what is happening to me? I'm listening to this stuff now and I'm all over it. And when it comes to Benito and, and Bad Bunny, he's like, ah, and I'm, like, all about it. But it took for me to listen. He released, after he released the Por Siempre album, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve of 2017, yeah. Post Maria. Yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to take the time to listen. It's a wrap. Yeah, yeah. It's a wrap. He got me. He got me. And Benito continues to show that he's growing, that he's he's evolving. It's like people that were horrified by Atrevete by Calle 13. And, oh, my God, so vulgar. It's like, nena, déjalo. He's in his 20s. You know, let people do and express the moment Mm -hmm. that they're in and... Do what they need to do for themselves.
0: Yeah, his his ascent was it has been pretty pretty interesting to watch. Like, mm. wow, you are crushing! It's like you're like the most strained, Like, <laughs> like what's happening? Like, and then popping up on other things. was like you're wrestling now. Like, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> it's what like, is the, the film with Brad Pitt? <laughs> right,
0: and um, uh, Bullet Train. Yeah,
1: exactly. All kinds of stuff. Um, but he, you know, does there's there's substance there yeah mm-hmm. that's the reality right it's yeah. not it's not a gimmick
0: yeah that, and i think that's why it's not necessarily my thing but also i'm coming with uh kind of blinders on and then and kind of checking i was like oh no no this kind of this kind of slaps actually or i like this or i like um the presentation of it or the the whole packaging right because even like the uh the album artwork i forget which one it is it might be i'm I'm not sure which one it is but it really catches my attention or have you and it's like is it the
1: one with the eye or is it the one with the heart the heart the heart is un verano sin ti yeah, But that was out Summer, and that's a party album, right? Mm-hmm. So I got to see, I had seen him three times. I saw him on his first show in Puerto Rico last year, on December 10th. Uh, and that was after the, the other album, The One With The Truck.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right?
1: Mm-hmm. So that was, forget it, and in Puerto Rico he had like 12. Like everybody was there. Everybody <laughs> was there. Romeo Santos was there. Like you name it. And it was 40,000 people. And then after that, there was the whole thing that everybody was like, big spread urban, band, and then the whole Omicron thing yeah. exploded in Puerto Rico. And that was phenomenal. He was so overwhelmed by the reception, by seeing everybody together, I felt like a kid. I was just <laughs> like, I was returning to Puerto Rico after not being there for almost 10 years. And then I get to go to the show and yes, I wasn't happy. I was standing in line for four hours, but I knew what I was going for. Yeah. And people were just going to have a good time. I remember being with a colleague that traveled with me and she had some concerns and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> people here didn't come to mess with anybody. They came to have a good time. Mm-hmm. And just looking around at people a lot younger than me and a lot older than me. And they were, everybody was freaking jamming. That, that appeal And that thing started at 1130. It mm-hmm. was supposed to start at 8. It started at 1130 because of the letting people in.
2: Yeah.
1: He got done by 2.30 in the morning.
2: Wow. And then he
1: went, oh, absolutely, bananas. And then he went the Choliseo, which is another, you know, venue. He had rented for people who couldn't get tickets so they can watch it via stream. And then he got on a car and went to a the Choliseo and did a half an hour set there.
0: Wow. That is that's amazing.
1: Then saw him here, right, yeah. in March with my daughter. And that's the Live Nation, very, you know, well-produced, different, you have a guest, but the screens, it's very like, it's not, I don't want to say cookie cutter, but it's the one that, you know, you're touring and this is like, you don't have the 20 people showing up, that kind of thing, Yeah. right? The other one was home, the emotion,
0: right? I I feel like the, I feel like the the Puerto Rican one is the one I don't want to go to. They're they're
1: both, they're both good in different ways and I'm blessed that I went to both. And then the third one was the Made in America one.
0: Made America is pretty strong. Actually. That
2: was pretty good. That was
1: pretty good. <laughs> because I said de un verano sin ti. Yeah. Now you have that album into the mix and mm. that's the thing. forget it. That's a party.
2: Yeah.
0: So, I got it. I got one real question left mm-hmm. before I hit those rapid fire questions. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the real one. Uh, we
1: didn't talk about flap.
0: Let's talk about flap real quick.
1: See, si. let's talk yeah, about flap, please, people. They're going to be like, "What?" All right. Yeah, I so about that. Sorry. so part of the work with Afrotaino also involved us. Nibbling in collaborations, or not nibbling, but just embracing collaborations with visual artists like mm-hmm. Betsy Casana, Celso Gonzalez, through different things, right? Different efforts. And in 2012, the Philadelphia Latino Film Festival, at that point, the Philadelphia Latin American Film Festival, and with an F, FLAF, in Español, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's founded by a group of friends and colleagues, mm-hmm. including David Acosta and Beatriz Piera, and they called on Afrotaino to come in mm-hmm. as a collaborator, music curator, and do the, you know, an opening night event with them and co-present films with them. Mm-hmm. There's something very personal that happened to me after that first event. That was April 13, 2012. We did the kickoff for FLAF. And at that point, the film that they presented is called Broken Memories or Found Memories. And it's all about death. And Mm -hmm. I just just got very afflicted, very sad by it. And I kept on thinking about my mom. And I just felt this anguish that I couldn't explain, Rob. Mm -hmm. I was sobbing and sobbing. I said, Meg, but your mom was actually scheduled to come here. Uh, after Mother's Day, and this is April 13. We walk out of the place, and the following day I had to work, my other gig, get up in the morning, I get a text, I knew what it was, my mother had passed that morning of a massive heart attack. Um, So definitely something that has stayed with me, right? And I remember having a wonderful conversation that night around that, the combining... I, I, My heart tells me, and my mind tells me she knew. She was saying her goodbye. And she was like, you know, I'm very proud of you, da 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 And she was like, it's interesting to me how you have been able to combine your commitment to service and your love for arts and culture.
2: Right.
1: Now with this new venture, and I'm like, yep. So then 2013 happens, we co-present. And then in 2014... I didn't go. On 2013 it was too close. I didn't go to any of the festival activities because it coincided with her first anniversary. And then in 2014, Bia and David approached me uh, to join their board to focus more, to come and curate the events, the after parties, like bring that expertise into the mix. Okay as the way life goes, transitions happen, people have to do other things. One of the co-founders is moving on from the festival. The other one is now moving literally to the West Coast. And there's this conversation about what do we do? And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? What do we do? You know, we're in a city where where Blackstar is growing and PATH is growing, the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festivals. We're a city of festivals. What are you talking? we're doing great festival was well received and they're like okay okay well let's map it okay let's talk in like three weeks and three weeks later i get a call they're like hey we have an idea we would like for you to take it over
2: Hmm.
1: and i was like yes (laughs) absolutely and then i was like and then i remember telling Rosan, hey yo this happened and this happened and i say this and my bad and he was like maggie Film has been your passion. We, Afro got to curate film. We did a series called Perspectivas, where we were presenting, and we got to present Calle Tres' first documentary, Celia Cruz's documentary, Henry Chalfan came and spent some time with us. So we did some cool stuff. And he knew that that was, you know, the same way that he was a vinyl head mm-hmm. or a music head, he wanted to be you're like you're the film head at the, at the table, yeah. and it has been you know absolutely wonderful. The difference is, uh, you know, FLAF is a non profit organization, Afro Guy, it's a for profit business, right? It's a creative agency, whatever you want to call it, we're programmers, we're curators, and here comes. So the organization. So with a lot of love and and care and also respect to our founders and to the mission of the organization was embracing taking that the leadership role in a way that was consistent with that commitment to that vision of creating space. And obviously informed by the years as a community organizer and the commitment or the 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 understanding of the of the transformational power of collective impact yeah. the importance of collaboration a commitment and a passion for co-creation so FLAF is a Yes, it is Philadelphia Latino Film Festival. We rebranded and went with the PHL, right, because we felt was more aligned with everything that was happening in the city Uh, and just wanted to be like, okay, let's think about our audience. Let's think about 2015, which was my first season. Mm -hmm. And it was like talking to the same designer and saying, no, think about this moment, the Latinos here, think about you. Olvida, they forget what it was, not in a disrespectful what? way, but we're coming in, do you. Yeah. And the Diego Garcia shout out absolutely blew our minds and did it for years and continues to be part of that family. Um, but it was just making sure that the, for the platform to be one center around co-creation, yeah. you have to stay nimble. Yeah. you have to stay open you have to come with an open mind and an open heart every season is a different opportunity every season is a new learning because you do not
0: want to be you don't want to be static you, you no, want to be dynamic yeah no.
1: and I don't want to, and I don't care with my apologies to everybody all the sister festivals it's not for me like I respect when it's done. Would I get on a red carpet if it's done? Eh, it's not really. I prefer to hit, yo, there's Rob, let me go talk to him, (laughs) more than the picture on the red carpet. And for me, again, because it's about the transformational power Mm -hmm. of arts and culture, that I feel, and whoever this fits, Go ahead and take it. The whole thing of arts are so transformational. (laughs) They're so, the power of arts and culture. And then we be, it's so vibrant. She's so passionate. But then it becomes the freaking you know, afterthought. Mm -hmm. It's like arts and culture are just like the sprinkle. I'm going to put a little bit of cilantro in the taco, right? And it's like, no, I don't freaking think so. You know, the inspiration, what gets us through joy, through laughter, through grief, through difficult times, through frustrations, it's that. That's what feeds our souls. Don't make it the freaking afterthought. If you want to be comprehensive and holistic, and intentional and mindful then think about what a shortcut it could be in educational settings in career development settings in capacity building settings i did it for years it's like let's talk about this let's watch this film then let's talk about it you know what i mean and there are a million ways to do it and a million approaches and then there's the creativity because at the core we're interacting as humans. Okay. So there's a lot of nuance every step of the way. There are a lot of cultural practices and we have to embrace those and learn from each other. Yeah. And in the manner that you come as you are mm-hmm. and you see yourself reflected, then you say, this is for me, this is for me. right? So flaff at the core is a platform center on nurturing creatives, and, commu- and building community. So we have two groups of, of stakeholders that are our focus. Creatives and filmmakers, right? Because I'm not going to say only filmmakers, because there's so much interdisciplinary work. Yeah. We don't want to box ourselves either, right? And they're part of this ecosystem. They're part of this landscape. They're part of this practice and this field. And then they're our audiences. Yeah. And our audiences are comprised from the Donita who's sitting at home that wants someone want to watch a film to the nonprofit that wants to bring a group to everybody in between. University, students, everybody and anybody and facilitating cross cultural dialogue. That's the other part of the FLAF mission. So it's it's an ongoing thing and yeah. and that's the way at least My humble opinion, that's the way that I, that we embrace it. We're a group of a collective of creative that come, of creatives that come together every season. They're different ingredients, but we're always making a gumbo. And the gumbo, and the gumbo (laughs) that we're making is the experience of the festival. And we emerge from, you know, initially being a weekend to then going a fourth day to then here comes the pandemic. And the pandemic comes 81 days before our opening, or not the pandemic, actually, let me stand corrected. The lockdown related Mm -hmm. to the pandemic comes 81 days before our opening day in 2020. So we're like, we're going to continue producing. We're, you know, we're in production. It's like we have our program. We keep on moving because everybody at that point was pushing things to like late late May, early June. Well, those are our dates. Let's just take part. By late April, we were like, okay, <laughs> and now what? So we went, and we're like, okay, so we're pivoting, we're going virtual. Oh. And the first year, and the second year, the then programming uh, director, Cristal Sotomayor and I, were sitting with uh, one of the different platforms, just, you know, shopping and just getting, like, demos and that kind of thing. Somebody goes, what did you do last year? And we go, hey, pues, Vimeo, uh, Vimeo Live License. Uh, Dropbox and spreadsheets And the guy was like Impressive, so fucking impressive He didn't know what to do But we we understood At the core of that decision Was we wanted to make sure That el calorcito Which is what we want We want people to feel that that warmth When they come into our events I don't care about this I care about access yeah. That our programming is accessible to everybody, that there's not, I don't go for any of, like, their VIP, they're, no All No, right, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, okay. no, no, no. You're going to eat, you're going to drink, you're going to hang like everybody else. You're going to sit next to whoever, like, this is what you filmmakers come to be in community with each other and with audiences audiences come to be in community that's where it's at
0: we don't we don't need a velvet rope no i don't need it no
1: no 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 no. (coughs) you can take the velvet rope and you know take it home i don't need it i don't need it i don't need it and again note this to anybody who does it but i
0: that's not what you're doing this
1: is this is exactly this is not what we're doing
0: so I think it's it's funny. Like, you got the last thing that I wanted to get in mm-hmm. that. So we can actually go into the rapid-fire questions. See this, see, this is the, the, the productivity of uh-huh. being able to go on the road. like, oh, you got everything in there, actually.
1: No, and I would say, just to wrap it up, that yeah. afro you know, how is it in a balancing act, right? In mm-hmm. the beginning, when I said the thing about telling myself, mm, I took the, you know, I said yes to this. It was also the respect of giving each other their space and being very mindful now. There is obviously a lot of synergy between the two teams. Mm-hmm. So now you have us, you know, Afro has been the music curator. There's another project when it makes sense. It's not like, oh, she brought this because I didn't want that. Mm-hmm. They each stand on their own, but there is so much synergy in terms of the work with creatives expanding to other practices, to other disciplines that make sense, that were like a natural fit. Same happens with Gusto, yeah. which is a, a project that I started um, after Hurricane Maria, co founded with Amy Rivera Nazar from Amy's Pastelillo. Shout out to Miss Amy. Mm-hmm. And Gusto that does a bad bunny brunch, has done three, um, where we have a great time with uh Benito-themed dishes and a DJ and great stuff. But Gusto is the culinary partner for flat That makes sense. So we do a, a Gusto grub guy mm-hmm. where people can order and use, you know, there are a number of establishments and, and culinary artists in the city, chefs and restaurants, etc., and pop-ups, all of that, yeah. that then you use the Gusto uh code and they may give you, I don't know, there's a special or there's a free dessert or that's our way to promoting each other because we are part of an ecosystem yeah. and the idea is how do we support each other, right? It's not only about, hey, can you do food for my event or can you do this? No, it's how is it that we're building community with each other each and every step of the way? That's where it's at for me.
0: I appreciate that that's yeah we 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 have a, an additional conversation to have because I have some ideas and I think uh I think that approach is definitely aligned with how I want to go about things and some of the ideas that I've had and uh some of the conversations i've I've started and teed up and I think at times people don't have that that sort of vision to see like we're all in this in the same area we all are a part of this we can be connected in this different way and You know, sometimes it's like, like I said earlier. um, I think before we got started with this sort of creative directing, creative directive, uh, creative directing stuff that I'm interested in, Mm -hmm. and it's just like, well, this is what you could do, or consulting in this way. You know, this is an idea, right? And it's almost like there needs to be this additional stamp to prove that this can work. It's like I already have it. I already have this proof. There's a proof of concept here. Somebody else is doing this. It's maybe in a different city. Just. Have a, a broader vision.
1: See, but when we're doing it as people of color, it's
2: alternative. <laughs> this I is, heard this is
1: somebody the- at a panel say, you know what, Dr. Marta Moreno Vega, big shout out. If you don't know who this woman is, please look her up. She's just, I will say in Spanish, la mama de los pollitos. She's la jefa. <laughs> and Dr. Moreno Vega does not mean words. And she was like, you know what, enough with that.
2: Mm-hmm. Our yep.
1: spaces are ours. They're not alternative.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. So here's the uh, rapid fire questions. Uh uh-uh. uh they're, they're 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 quick questions. No no need to overthink them. Dolly. So here's the first one. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer the word art as a noun or as a verb? As a noun. Uh, what was the last movie you
1: watched? Oh my God! The <laughs> last movie I watched... Dios mío, 100 días con Tata. Con La Tata. 100 days with La Tata on Netflix. It's about this guy being locked in the pandemic uh, with somebody who's like, he's sort of abuela, but they're not really related by blood.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. Nice. Here's the last one. Yes. Uh, so to, starting tomorrow,
1: mm-hmm. a
0: day has 25 hours. What do you do with the extra hour?
1: I take it to treat myself with some love and go for a walk and think about what I wanna do when I grow up.
0: <laughs> that is great. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Um So um, in that I wanna invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks, the listeners, where they can check out all of the things that you're working on, uh, the uh, film festival, Afrotaino, all of that stuff. Uh, the floor is yours.
1: So you can check Afrotaino at Afrotaino.com or you can check us on social and especially on Instagram as at Afrotaino P R O D when we were younger, before our quinceañero, we used to be known as Afrotaino Productions. We drop that as we embrace our 15 years. And you can uh, find FLAF on the Philadelphia Latin Film Fest on Instagram. And you can also find us on Facebook, both in the website for FLAF is phlaff.org. Check us out.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, That's pretty much the podcast.
1: Oh, por favor, perdón, gusto, Philly check at Gusto Philly you can can find Gusto again we're an ecosystem you can find Gusto at the Afrodaino website it has a section but you can find us on Instagram at Gusto Philly
0: and there you have it for Maggie Maia Rebel. I'm Rob Lee saying that there's arts culture in and around your city you just gotta look for it